And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Yesterday, the um, head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, sat down for an interview on Fox News with Brett Baer, and it was a one-on-one -on -one interview, and this is at a time when the American people's trust in the FBI, and in generally speaking, their government's at an all-time low, and so Brett Baer asked him about some things that caused the American people great concern. He asked him questions which involve facts that are no longer suspicions or, um, you know, conjecture. They are facts, and the reason I want to talk about this, I'm not going to play any clips from it. I'm just going to tell you what was just evident. You can probably find the interview if you'd like online. What was evident in what you heard Christopher Ray say in response to Brett Bear's questions is this. He has absolutely no willingness to come clean about anything. He believes he is just impenetrable. He is defiant. He is never going to be held accountable for anything that the agency has done under his watch. He's been serving as a head of the FBI at least since the Trump time. I can't remember when he, uh, Christopher Ray, first got into uh, the um, heading up the FBI, but he's been part of the whole cabal in Washington um, of the national, national um, law enforcement agencies for a long time. So he sits down with Brett Baer, and Brett Baer asked him, for example, about the evidence now that everyone paying attention has seen. For example, the Twitter files. The Twitter files let the American people see that the FBI has been coordinating, working with Twitter to censor some people, accentuate some other messages, basically to say, you know, uh, to shape what the American people are allowed to hear, allowed to know. And this isn't speculation because the Twitter file has been released. But Christopher Ray's answer, and I'll tell you, actually, the, you know, the overarching answer Christopher Ray gave in this lengthy interview was, not one single FBI investigation was handled inappropriately. Not one. So he is presented with, well, you know, you were really uh, you know, heavily involved in censoring. Nope, didn't do anything wrong. Didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't. Not one thing wrong. The FBI had in its custody, as you likely know, the Hunter Biden laptop for a long time before the fall elections in 2020. Could have kept that, could have released that to the public or done something to make the public aware, but clearly withheld the contents of the FBI, of the laptop of Hunter Biden from the American people till after the election. And this is Christopher Ray's answer. Not a single FBI investigation was handled inappropriately. He's head of the FBI that who were directly involved. They were the um, officials who were breaking down people's doors in the middle of the night to arrest them in their homes for having gone to Washington on January 6th. And, and the prime example I often give because I, she's a friend of mine, Dr. Simone Gold, who was in Washington on January 6th of 2021. She did because the doors were being held open by the Capitol of police, entered the Capitol and stood in the rotunda of the Capitol where millions and millions of Americans have stood because it's a, it's a place you go when you're doing a tour of Washington, you used to be able to, and read her little five minute speech and turned around and walked out. For that behavior, her front door was broken down in the middle of the night with weapons yielding FBI agents obviously trying to scare her to death 
And she wasn't the only one. Numerous other people whose conduct in Washington, at the very most, maybe justified a fine. You know, you were in an, a restricted area, you're not allowed to walk here or stand here. Some of them didn't even get inside the Capitol. They were outside. And so this is the man, head of that agency, and his answer to Brett Baer and to the American people, to you, is not one thing we did was handled inappropriately. Not one thing. And the reason I want to harp on this, or at least talk about it in the first five, is this. When you think of the job needed moving forward in America, when you recognize how much has to be cleaned out of the swamp in Washington, D.C., of the swamp isn't even a bad enough term because swamp implies kind of slimy and, and, and dishonest and slithery like a snake and, and, you know, maybe they're conspiring with each other. But the attitude Christopher Ray was conveying in this interview with Brett Baer is one of utter defiance. It is saying to America, we're above the law. It doesn't matter what we did. It doesn't matter. I can lie to you. I can sit here looking in the camera and looking at the American people and lie to you and nothing matters. You can't touch me. It is an attitude of invincibility, of arrogance, of just hardened uh, assurance that he runs this place. This is a ruling class. He's part of it. And the American people have absolutely no business even asking questions and certainly are not entitled to the truth or honesty out of him. His attitude shows you, it is evidence to the American people, why America needs a very, very strong president in, to take office in 2024 and that very strong president be willing to take action against many across the, high, the higher levels of leadership of the FBI and the DOJ and the DOD and the NSI. I'm, I'm like spewing out alphabet things, but all many, many federal agencies in Washington need to have their higher ranks completely cleaned out. Many argue, and I agree, ultimately, while protecting the security and safety of the American people, the DOJ and FBI have to be simply dissolved. Dissolved, start over, hire law-abiding people. But this attitude, it ought to give you, you know, chills up your back, recognizing this guy is paid by your tax dollars. He, he is in the position of the guardian of the FBI, and he has no shame and no integrity at all speaking up about what, uh, what and when he's being asked questions, especially when the American people already know the answers. They already know what the FBI did. The people know, and, and he knows they know, and, and we know he knows it. I, I mean, we all know what happened, and his attitude is not telling you one thing. Kind of like the Clinton attitude was when more and more stories, Bill Clinton attitude, more and more stories emerged by his relationship with Monica Lewinsky and others. He had the attitude, I lie, I dig in, I will never, I will deny, 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 I will never tell you the truth. And that's what he was going to do, except for, of course, small bit of evidence uh, caught him up and he had to give in and tell the truth. But we are looking at the attitude that must be utterly rooted out of the federal bureaucracy in Washington if you're ever to restore America and its rule of law. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So today, I want to tell you about a really cool thing. So uh, President Trump, former President Trump, has released a, um, a plan, and he's calling it uh, the Universal Baseline Tariffs. It's actually called uh, the Economic Agenda 47, which is 
I'm sure referring to because he would be, if he were to be reelected again in, 20, in uh, 2024, he, Trump, would be the 47th president of the United States. So it's called the Economic Agenda 47, including universal baseline tariffs. Before I do that, it's very clear to uh, many in America that on the GOP side, the nomination for president um, is going to boil down essentially uh, to Donald Trump or to Ron DeSantis, governor, very popular governor of Florida, you know, very well liked and appreciated, respected by his, the people who gave him an overwhelming re-election. He barely won election the first time, overwhelming re-election, very popular governor, done lots of great things. And obviously Donald Trump has already declared his candidacy. It's going to come down to those two almost certainly. So uh, as many candidates do when they're getting ready to launch a campaign, they have a book come out. And so Ron DeSantis has a new book out and is being touted by many uh, in the mainstream media who very much want Ron DeSantis to be the candidate, the GOP candidate for president, instead of having Trump. They, they don't want Trump for many reasons. We'll probably talk about him again today. We've talked about him many times in the past. So DeSantis has this book. It's a big splash, you know, putting out DeSantis' new book. So in Florida, uh, there was a big kickoff event, and Fox News, which is routinely criticized for being conservative, but they've actually gone, you know, they're, they're very, uh, in their choices and, and editorials, and in many, many ways, Fox is not backing uh, Trump, they're backing DeSantis. So they were part of a big event in Florida where they were trying to do a kickoff of Ron DeSantis's new book, and it was in a really cool restaurant. You know, those kind of, it's actually, they're really fun uh, news segments when people show these things. There's a restaurant and you know, it's obviously a local place and the people look, they're not Hollywood beautiful, they're just the everyday Americans. So they had a little kickoff down there uh, and with people who were there, these are Florida citizens and they're there because they're all excited about the idea of having um, Ron DeSantis' book be out. So I want to ask Emilio to play a short little segment. Uh, this is what happened inside that little restaurant where Fox is trying to tout DeSantis' new book. This is in the state of Florida. Who's your man? Who's your woman? My man, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Christy, no. Christy, no. Who's your man? Donald Trump. Or woman? Donald Trump. Trump. A lot of Trump fans. Trump and Nikki Haley. And Nikki Haley. Okay. Every... <laughs> so this is Fox down there at a DeSantis book kickoff. And um, the people are all saying they, they want Trump to be president. And um, it was interesting. There was even a woman there who had a DeSantis t-shirt on. And she was asked. She said, Trump. I want Trump. And so... What I want to get at is, I'm going to talk a lot today about Trump, what he's doing, his big plan he's issued. Um, there's just a lot of things that I think really bear kind of uh, being, you know, dig, to dig into them a little bit more deeply. Uh, one thing is that um, the polling that is being done by organizations uh, around this country, uh, essentially polling, you know, Republican voters or likely Republican voters. And they, those polls also make it clear, at least as of now, Trump is well ahead of DeSantis. And Trump is, if you do a head to head, you know, when you ask not just Republican voters, but a wide swath of voters, a representative sample, Trump appears to be the only one who could beat Biden. Biden apparently would beat DeSantis. Biden would apparently uh, beat Nikki Haley. However, I want to urge some uh, very, really important considerations. This is only March of 2023. So we're a year and a half away from the fall election. A year and a half away. A lot of things can happen. 
candidates can shine. They can be great. People say, wow, I never knew so-and-so was so strong. I like him or her. Can the perceptions of people can change. And, you know, things that are said by candidates can change. And Ron DeSantis hasn't even yet declared. It seems like he's going to. Uh, he's pushing through a bill in the Florida legislature because right now Florida law says he can't uh, run for president while he's still serving as governor and he wants to change the law that so it will say he can still be governor and run for president it appears he's got the votes lined up so that's going to happen sometime this spring and then he allegedly is going to declare but who knows so part of what's happening is that um, because of some things I'll mention in a few minutes um, Trump's numbers above um, Trump's polling among likely Republican voters uh, is going up even as compared with DeSantis. And one reason has to do with um, some things he did recently, which I'll share a little later. What I want to hit on is there was a thing that uh, Donald Trump released yesterday. And I said at the start of this, uh, sh this um, segment, I want to tell you about it. He called it again, Economic Agenda 47. It includes universal baseline tariffs. And it is a brilliant um, strategic move by Trump to put this out now. It's early on. You know, he doesn't even have, you know, DeSantis is not even in the race yet, but Trump put this out. And I'm going to start. So what he's basically doing, Trump is putting out an economic and tariffs plan, which he's putting out now for public consideration, public review. I mean, he's out there. You can read it. You can contemplate it. And he also made a, a, a speech on Rumble, uh, Trump did, where he basically said, this is what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Uh, you know, and here's the, the story. So I'm going to at least play the beginning segment of what Trump had to say, uh, and then I'm going to tell you more about what's in this, because it's brilliant strategy, which I'll explain more in a moment. Let's just play what Trump's opening remarks were. Joe Biden claims to support American manufacturing, but in reality, he's pushing the same pro-China globalist agenda that ripped the industrial heart out of our country. It ripped us apart. Biden and the globalists support raising taxes on American production. They support more crippling regulations killing American jobs. They support skyrocketing domestic energy costs. And they support massive anti-American multinational agreements that send our wealth and factories overseas. Very simply, the Biden agenda taxes America to build up China. Okay. So what he's talking about is he, Trump, is talking about uh, going back to trade policy. And you may remember when Trump ran and was uh, president the first time, um, there was a lot of discussion about Trump's changing on trade policies. And, you know, he basically was saying he, Trump, he's going to have policies in place that protect the American worker, protect the development of industry in America. And many of the free trade economics experts i've had i had them on my show free trade economics experts were saying this is horrible this is awful this violates decades of of understanding we are free trade people we no matter how badly china treats us no matter how badly any country treats us we never ever allow political considerations to get in the middle of trade policy we don't do tariffs we don't put tariffs on companies on countries to punish them so that was the whole when and trump came on the first time well now what he's doing he's doubling down on this he's saying that we americans need to have trade policy and it actually has tax policy in it too 
trade policy and tax policy that favor and strengthen the American economy. It's kind of like economic nationalism, um, which I think is uh, you know, a, a, tra a term that gets belittled, but I think it's a really good, good um, description. What he's basically saying is he is going to have in place tariffs, basically in place universal baseline tariffs, which is kind of funny. I'm going to quickly on the side here. It's he's taking a little jab, I think, at the left as pushing for universal basic income, how they want to just cultivate. You know, the left is always saying everyone should have at least X dollars a month or X dollars a year. Universal basic income paid out of the Treasury, which of course is just the left's way of cultivating dependency and weakness and, and people who just can't live without the government. I mean, it's just, it is a path to Marxism. It's actually a speedy path to Marxism. And so Trump chose a term, universal baseline tariffs. I wonder if it's kind of uh, making a little jab at the universal basic income folks. But anyway, back to this. He's saying every country pays tariffs. Uh, so there's a tariff imposed on things we bring into America. He's also talking about in this plan um, that these universal tariffs, uh, they will go up. Um, if, if the country from which we are importing things engages in behavior that makes trade unfair, such as, for example, he says, if these countries, which are all communist countries that do this, but if they, the government in those countries, pays or subsidizes the manufacturing of the products that we're going to import. So he's saying, you know, China, you know, we can say that, you know, we're importing from China, uh, so wherever the products are, wherever the value is, but if the Chinese government has paid that company producing the goods, uh, you know, to be in business, then we, America, are going to raise the tariffs. We're going to make the tariffs higher um, to make up for the fact that China is kind of manipulating. He's calling it cheating. Um, he's, he's referring to China throughout his statement. It was, a, it was a great, great statement, referring to China. Um, he's basically saying, because how things sit now, uh, Biden is so friendly to China and, and lets everything go with China. His characterization is Biden and the globalists support raising taxes on American production. They support more crippling regulations, which is exactly what everything springing out of the climate change lunacy is. It's just crippling regulation, regulations. Um, and then he's saying, you know, China is a beneficiary of all these policies we've had, and he is going to reverse that to tax China and build up America. He's also saying that um, if countries engage in this process where, so China manufactures something, and then they ship it to country X, and then we import it from country X, you know, China is trying to circumvent the level of tariffs we'd put on China products by sending it first to wherever it would be, you know, Italy or whatever it is. And he's saying, you know, if you do that, then the tariff goes up too. He's basically trying to corner the, uh, the whole question of tariffs to protect the American people, the American public, and ultimately to encourage manufacturing uh, and business in America, and therefore jobs in America. And he says, as foreign producers go up, taxes on producers will go down and go down substantially. He's trying to end our, what he calls, gaping trade deficits, which are massive now, bring back millions of jobs. And essentially, uh, he also has something he's calling the Strategic National Manufacturing Initiative. It's all part of a plan to get manufacturing to come back to America. He's saying he's going to actually revoke, revoke China's most favored nation um, trade status, which will be very consequential. Uh, I'm not going to get into that today. We've got another day. But basically, he's trying to, to remove China from the category that we particularly protect as a most favored nation. Say, no, not that anymore. Um, he's also going to... Um, 
to adopt new rules to stop U.S. companies from pouring investments into China, to stop China from buying up America, which would be great to stop China from buying land in America and buying businesses in America. He said we'll put a stop to that. He's really very boldly saying America's trade policy, America's tax policy must be designed to strengthen America and the American people. And it must be openly uh, and he talks about China throughout his announcement, openly uh, targeting the idea that China is working to become the world's single superpower, and they are growing uh, economically because of our conduct in America, what we permit them to do, and we're just going to stop doing that. He calls Biden's pro-China economic program, uh, put America last, um, it's killing the country. It's just a, um, it was, it's a brilliant speech and release of a policy. But I want to hit on a couple of things that are even more consequential, why I'm saying it's brilliant. He's put it out early, and part of what he's doing is, you know, he's going to have, I'm sure he's going to have all the traditional economists, even on the right, they're going to be saying, well, we don't, you know, we never, never, never fool with fair trade. We do free trade. We don't do fair trade. We do free trade. Trade should be immune from everything that is political. I remember having experts in the show and asking them, so China steals our uh, intellectual property. They they violate our copyrights. They copy our plans. Then our, our trade with China in the past has involved tremendous mistreatment of America by China. And I would ask these experts, well, then you know why shouldn't we take that into account in our trade and tariff policy with China? And the, the purists were saying, you just can't do that. You don't understand. We never do that. And I said, well, how, what do you do about it then? Well, you know, you put pressure on China in other ways. You know, you make a complaint, the UN, that'll teach them. And I just love Trump is not beholden to what the ancient or the, the longstanding kind of encrusted, you know, uh, even free market economist types would say. He's saying, to, at its core, our policies in this country should protect America. Our trade policies, our tariff policies, our manufacturing policies, our tax policies should be designed to protect America. And it's not like he's saying America should be, you know, treated better than others because what he points out, didn't in this speech, but other ones, every other country looks out for its own citizens. Other countries look out for their own citizens. And we in America have not done that for so long. We've been bullied into thinking that somehow looking out for and protecting our manufacturers, our companies, and our people was somehow selfish and mean. And it's not. It's the job of the government. But moving forward, the other thing, so Trump is, you know, he's calling out Biden. It is going to help America understand um, as the inflation goes up, the economy is a mess, uh, that, that Biden is the cause of it. So he's making headway in critiquing Biden. But another really great point uh, that I just think is very important to think about is many people looking at the campaign, uh, of the intended campaign, new parent campaign um, of Ron DeSantis to run for president point out that his major financial backers, his major financial backers are globalists. They aren't communists, but they're globalists. This new era where they are encouraging the idea of an international global economy. They really, really love to have, you know, the uh, Wall Street and the bankers, the international uh, um, the corporatism, the international multinational corporate interests, all of these entities that make money, which isn't, a, I'm in favor of making money, I'm in favor of actually making money, but 
these entities, these, these, uh, the cabal of those agencies, all pushing those entities, all pushing for globalism. It's Wall Street and the banks and the global corporations. They don't like the idea of America having an economy and a set of policies that protects the American people. And one of the main backers for Ron DeSantis is someone who has openly said he does not want, I can't remember the guy's name, but if someone can text me that name, but the guy, one, he created the big um, billionaire who created the Ron DeSantis uh, PAC has been talking about the idea that he wants Ron DeSantis to get back in and to be head up the Republican Party because he wants to tear away at and ultimately destroy the ideas that Trump brought to the fore when he ran in 2016, uh, which was essentially America first. It was a renewal of an idea of populism, and populism can have many, many definitions, and some of them are not good definitions, but the concept of that America, the American people, that we are the sovereign, and that we should expect the government to respond to our needs and our interests, and that government should be creating policies, trade, tariff, tax, and everything else to protect America, the American people. And what this guy's saying now, this guy who's backing DeSantis, is he wants to get rid of all that Trump era populism. He wants to basically get the pesky, smelly, you know, peasant masses who thought under Trump that we had some role in, in governing this country. He wants them to go away. The whole populist, this guy who's backing DeSantis, wants the populist movement to go away. And he wants a restoration of all these multinational corporations and Wall Street interests and big bank and financial houses who are all globalists and all love all of this globalism and do not want the reassertion of America as a unique and strong sovereign country. That, so that's who's backing DeSantis. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that DeSantis thinks this way. DeSantis doesn't have the money Trump has. Trump is a, um, okay, the DeSantis donor is Ken Griffin. That's the guy's name, Ken Griffin. Who's, and he founded the big pack that's supporting DeSantis. I am not saying, my very fine friends, that DeSantis necessarily agrees with everything Ken Griffin says. I don't know. DeSantis needs money to run. He doesn't have Trump's resources. DeSantis has done great, great things in Florida. You cannot, I mean, I'm thrilled with many of his policies. And, and DeSantis, you know, he's got to take money, the big money people getting behind him, um, you know, he's got to take money where it comes from. But what, why I'm saying Trump's plan right now, he just put out the economic agenda 47, which includes universal baseline tariffs is so brilliant is because eventually DeSantis and everybody else running for president is going to have to answer to this. Some reporter, let us hope, or, or and even a debate to say, you know, Mr. DeSantis, what do you think about Donald Trump's plan for universal baseline tariffs? Because I'm gonna tell you, all these globalists, all these Wall Street type people, all these international banking industry industries, and they hate this kind of idea. They, the backers of DeSantis, at least a Ken Griffin type, do not want this kind of policy that Trump is putting forward. Trump is really putting forward, you know, we had MAGA and Make America Great Again, but it's America first. It's America first trade-wise, tax-wise, tariff-wise. It's putting the concept of protecting the American people at the fore of our policies. And the people who back DeSantis 
I assume, are not going to like this. So that is one reason this plan is so brilliant, is because it is causing, it will cause eventually everyone get else getting in the race to answer the question, because this is a this is a huge policy Trump put out. It's a big layout of what he plans to do. It's going to cause others who maybe don't want to campaign on and say, hey, I'm a globalist, vote for me. I love the multinational corporations. I love globalism. They don't want to say that. But the question is, you know, what are they going to do when they get into the White House? And the question is, you know, what are they going to say in the campaign trail when they're forced to answer what they think about what Trump has proposed? This is why it is so brilliant. Very quickly, for our radio listeners, you're about to go off on a three-minute break at 30 minutes past the hour. Do not go away. Come right back because I'll be right here. This is Debbie Georgiatis. Our show is America Can We Talk? And you can always find this show and every show at our website, americacanwetalk.org. americacanwetalk.org. Come back after a three-minute break. We'll be right here talking to you. So this is the one thing I want to say about Trump's plan is he's really going to force the other candidates. And it's not just DeSantis. I mean, there's you know, Nikki Haley's got some backers. Um, I think Pence is, hasn't declared yet, but everyone thinks he's going to. I saw John Sununu just said today, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. I might be doing it. You know, they're going to be a, a series of people in. Um, and just in Nikki Haley, uh, Tim Scott hasn't declared, but he's talking about it. So a lot of people talking about it. And the other reason I really like this is, you know, you talk about the central issue of our time. When Reagan ran, when Reagan ran for president, we were looking at a weak America formed by left-wing financial, you know, fiscal policy under Jimmy Carter, a weak America, a rising strength in Russia, and a threatening strength out of Russia. So the central issue that Ronald Reagan had to run on was restoring the American economy, restoring the belief in the American people in our economy, the idea that we're going to be the America, you know, our best days ahead, we're the sitting on the hill, and Reagan had to get really tough and talk about we're not going to allow Russia to rise, Russia is not going to rise and become the superpower, and we Americans sit back and, you know, beg them to please don't you do anything bad to us. You know, Reagan, uh, he just exemplified peace through strength, and he developed America's military to be strong, and his peace through strength worked. Peace through strength worked under Reagan as against Russia. We fast forward to now, and among the single most important issues facing the world, facing the world, is this massive push toward globalism, which leads to communism, which leads to the destruction of America. So is it globalism uh, and you know socialism, Marxism, communism, globalism, new world order garbage, or is it America? That's a central issue facing the American people. It's, it's a deciding point in American history. Are we going to say in America, we believe in our country and we believe in, in it enough that we're going to stand up? We're going to insist on America's strength, economic strength, our manufacturing ability, our ability to create jobs. Are we going to protect our nation? That is a single among the most important issues facing the country is that and second, and related to that is, what does America do about China? And, and Trump's plan is laid out, which I was just describing to you. And by the way, uh, well, I'll tell you that in a minute. So Trump's plan addresses China also. In fact, his opening pitch, Trump's opening pitch, proposing this plan, it's a rumble speech. I linked to it on our website. 
but he basically throughout the speech just talked about China. He, and he took shots at Biden saying that everything Biden is doing is making things worse. It's you know raising our taxes. It's, it's increasing regulation. It's making China stronger. It's hurting America. So he was wise to say that. But even in this 2024 presidential race, it's not just between Biden and Trump or Biden and whoever the GOP nominates. It's the question, what are you going to do about China? Mr. President, what are you going to do about China? What are you going to do about America's economic weakness? How are you going to stand up for the American people? So brilliant stroke, if you ask me, on Trump putting this out. Um, and I think he's actually going to force all the other GOP candidates for president to say either I love it, yeah, yeah, right with him, I'm, you know, me too, or it's really terrible and I love globalism. Now, they're going to work, they're going to work their language and come up with some, you know, uh, language that kind of tries to straddle it, but it really does kind of, it, it's a, you know, it's a like a litmus test kind of thing to have put out, force the other candidates to say, I'm a globalist and I'm fine with globalism, or no, I'm not a globalist, I don't like it and I want to stand up for America. On a similar note, I, mean, I was telling you previously about, um, Trump and all the um, um, what's going on with uh, I want to show you this polling hold on okay yeah here's the polling by the way with DeSantis I don't want to forget to tell you this so um, Trump's still the heavy favorite to win the GOP's nomination a new um, Emerson College poll in a hypothetical 10-way Republican presidential primary Trump scores 55% of the votes they put all the other people who are making noise like they might get in the race so they have 10 of them and the GOP um, potential candidates for president, uh, 10 way race, Trump scores 55% of the vote. Um, 30 points behind him is Ron DeSantis at 25%. And I want to say something else about this. I mentioned earlier how, you know, Fox News is getting behind many of the, not just Fox, but many of the media outlets are trying to subtly, without just, you know, putting a banner over their building, they're trying to subtly say, you know, Ron DeSantis, he's the way to go, steer it this way. And and, and, you know, this happens. This is not new. And, and all of the people like Karl Rove, kind of the, the people who believe they pull the strings behind the scenes, they kind of really control everything. All these people are thinking they're finding various ways to make Ron DeSantis the obvious candidate and to denigrate, ignore, or sometimes attack um, uh, Donald Trump. And I got to say, I know that those, these things happen all the time and it's as old as time and kind of the, you know, the people who think of themselves as the wise old elders of the Republican Party, it happens on the Democrat side too, but the wise old elders are really going to help the American people understand, you know, you really don't want Trump, you really want DeSantis. And so far, what I think you're seeing is American people, since the time when Trump ran in 2016, they're kind of newly awakened to the idea that we really are the sovereign and we really can uh, effectuate change and we really are entitled to think for ourselves and we don't want to be told by any news outlet or anybody else, including Karl Rove, what to think and which candidates like we want to think for ourselves. So anyway, the polling goes on and on, but Trump's way, way ahead. And apparently in this poll was the only one um, who would uh, who would beat Biden in this, if they're head to head, if it went 2024. I actually find that dubious. I, I, I think that Biden is so disliked and so weak and so uh, and honestly dangerous and been so harmful to America. I, I've sometimes thought like, you know, Ronald McDonald could probably uh, beat Biden. Not really, but you know, a lot of people who don't have much clout could probably beat Biden because America wants him out of the presidency, wants him out of the White House. Okay.
So uh, I'm going to hit another topic very quickly. Um, I, I called it retail politics in Palestine, Ohio. So if you don't know the term retail politics, you know, there are things in politics like as you're running for whatever the job is, House, Senate, whatever it is, you're running and you uh, are you're supposed to and you do, you put out policies, you put out slogans, you have a campaign uh, poster made, a campaign photo, you know, here he is, Joe Blow, he's running for U.S. Senate, and you got his picture, and you got a slogan, and you got the website, and you got all these things, and you get policies uh, that you would, you have to put up policies saying you, you support this and oppose this, whatever it is. That's kind of, you know, formal politics, but retail politics is this idea of when you show up. It's like connecting with the people. It's like when you go out to any place, whether you're in, you know, in a small town at their Halloween festival or their fall festival or you're uh, in any place, it's getting out and connecting with the people. So given the event, uh, the train wreck in Palestine, Ohio, and where they, this train uh, derailed and this very, very dangerous situation there, I mean, the air quality is dangerous, the water, I mean, it's, it's really horrible uh, in Palestine, Ohio. So... Trump, uh, East Palestine it's called. So Trump, as you likely know, showed up. He went to East Palestine, and uh, Palestine, I've heard a resident say it's pronounced Palestine. Anyway, um, Trump shows up, he brings, you know, tons and tons of bottles of water. So he has bottles of water, uh, so which is huge because the water there is tainted and, and dangerous. And everyone's scared to drink it, as they should be. And so he brings bottles of water, uh, blankets. He went to some McDonald's where they had some of the, the crew, the cleanup crew were in McDonald's. He bought them all lunch or whatever it was. He's buying food for the people. He's showing up, bring, you know, giving water a basic need. Other really basic things his, his, he donated, you know, blankets and, and stuff like that. Okay, so a lot of people say, well, that's just because he's running for president. That's just because he's showing off. But, you know, there's a really valuable thing about, um, about uh, retail politics. It can seem like to some people, and you see some candidates, they show up at events and they look like Hillary Clinton always looks like this. She always looks like behind the scenes that she puts a smile on her face that she's thinking, I really don't like any of you people here. You are so far beneath me. I do not wish to have to, to you know, touch the little people. I want to get in and out. Let me go back to my you know, highfalutin life, rubbing elbows with the rich and famous and powerful. I don't want to be here talking to you petty peasants. Hillary Clinton always looks like that to me, always. Donald Trump doesn't. When he shows up, I mean, people, they were, they're really, uh, they made my, me get teary looking at some of these scenes. He shows up in East Palestine, brings water, brings blankets, people jumping up, shaking hands uh, and, and saying, thank you, Mr. President. And he's, you know, he's, he's, as I say, buying food for the cleanup crews. Showing up when you radiate authenticity is very powerful, very powerful. And I have seen, I, I have friends who work for elected officials who said, you know, even when a crisis happens, like, you know, what, what, there was a recent event, or I mean, I'm sorry, a couple of years ago event, my friend was working for an elected official, and, you know, she was saying, you know, the big thing is he needs to show up there. Even though he can't fix the situation, it's not his fault, it's not the government's fault, but it was like a plane crash or something. But she was saying, you got to show up. And I'm telling you, I thought that was palpable in what Trump did in showing up in East Palestine. He conveyed, I care about the people. 
Now, I know that Trump can't, the people who don't like Trump would just say, oh, it's just politics, he's just acting, it's just for a you know, photo shoot, a sound bite, you know, it's to make, but I, there, I think many people on the ground, listening to how they interacted with him, they have the sense, this guy cares. He actually cares what happens to us. He can't fix the train wreck. Um, I just thought Trump really scored some points of authenticity in showing up. And as you likely know there, um, you know, Biden still hasn't been there. Um, and also uh, the uh, Pete Buttigieg, who's, I was gonna make a joke. Pete Buttigieg, let's make a joke about his job. You know, he is the, the head of the Department of Transportation. He finally showed up days and days after the train wreck. And among the main points he made in his remarks was, well, we've got to blame Trump for this because, you know, Trump rolled back some regulations and look at this, you roll back regulations and the railway industry and look what happens, we have a train wreck. I mean, he has no idea how to be the Secretary of Transportation at all, had no experience. He was a mayor, that's his only job before there, no transportation experience. Finally, and, and kind of begrudgingly shows up in East Palestine because he's getting pummeled by the media, shows up and all it really looked to me like was he was walking around just thinking, how fast can I get out of here and how can I make this look like it was Trump's fault? But in any case, so he, um, Buttigieg, spouts off about how um, there was a, that it was Trump's fault um, because, um, because he changed some railway regulations. And the reason I want to tell you all of this is that of all truly astounding things, after, and, and Trump administration did change some railway regulations, some that Obama put in place and Trump team uh, took down. But even this, I thought I should say, sit down if you're standing up to listen to this. Even the Washington Post and the New York Times, which live and breathe to insult and criticize and demean and denigrate Donald Trump, actually both of those major outlets announced they had looked at all the regulations that Trump had overturned during his time he was president that relate to the railways. And nothing that Trump did had anything to do with this train wreck. I mean, I find that so consequential. I, I mean, that not just that, I mean, it's true. I'm glad it's true. I'm glad that no regulatory uh, you know, adjustment could have prevented this, which I guess is what they're saying. But even the New York Times and Washington Post just says, sorry, that's just crazy. That's just hogwash. We call hogwash here on this show. Um, Trump's deregulation did not cause a train wreck, period, full stop. I found that rather interesting. Um, and I also, you know, they don't really ever want to um, say anything at those left-wing outlets, anything at all uh, that make uh, Trump look like he's maybe a good guy or that make uh, anyone in the um, Biden administration look like they are, you know, inept or falsely accusing or unfairly saying something, but they had to step up and say, sorry, nothing Trump did cause this. Um, friends, I do have one more topic, but before I go to that, I want to share uh, some things with you about this show. First of all, uh, if you're listening on radio, thank you. Uh, I want to make sure you know you're listening to America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. I've been doing this show for almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years next summer, summer of 2024. And I do it entirely to speak up and stand up for America. I have never been paid one penny for doing this show. And I think it's important to tell you that because I, there are a lot of people doing shows, there are a lot of podcasts out there, many, many smart people uh, putting on shows like this and, and doing a great job. 
I've been doing this. Now, I'm a lawyer by background, and my husband, and I used to litigate, my husband has commented that I work harder now doing this show than I did when I was a litigator, which is entirely true. And I'm saying all this to say, if you like the show, there are several things you can do to support it that are really easy, and I hope you will consider doing them. Number one is, if you ever look at the MyPillow website, I urge you to do that. If you go to MyPillow.com, you, if you're watching, you can see it on, on the screen, MyPillow.com. And when you go there, you'll find a wide array of high-quality products. My husband and I have bought many, many of them. They're always high-quality. They show up on time. They deliver to your home. You don't have to leave your home to order them. And when you order at MyPillow.com, whether it's pillows, blankets, sheets, towels, bathrobes, slippers, all the great stuff they have, when you check out, you at the end, they ask you for promo code. Put in Debbie G. D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. And when you put in that promo code, you will get up to 66% off and I will get a small payment from them. It's a great way to get good products in your home and at the same time to support this show and support MyPillow.com. So again, MyPillow.com, promo code Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G. I hope you'll do it. You get the discount up to 66%, get great products, and you can support this show. Another way to support this show is another organization, which is called Patriot Mobile. And Patriot Mobile, if you don't know what it is, I'll tell you very quickly, it's based here in Texas. I personally know and have been longtime friends with the owners. I know them. They're wonderful people. And their organization, the reason they created Patriot Mobile was to have a cell phone service provider that only donates to Christian and conservative causes. They're the only Christian conservative cell phone provider out there in America. And so when you go to their website, if you think you put that happy little uh, flyer up for you, those of you uh, watching, uh, you can go to Patriot Mobile and at Patriot Mobile, uh, go through their whole process uh, you're at patriotmobile.org or .com, so sorry. Um, and you can, after you enter uh, patriotmobile.com, you put slash Debbie G, and you will get the whole array of choices they have for uh, packages. They have packages for every budget, and you can bring your existing phone and have it made into a Patriot Mobile phone. You can buy a phone from them, but the main reason to do it is patriotmobile.com only donates to causes you would already like. So you can switch your phone service. I don't pitch things to you that I don't do myself. My husband and I have switched to Patriot Mobile. They use the same cell towers as your provider does. So it's same cell towers, same coverage. But at patriotmobile.com, you know you are putting your hard-earned money to work through Patriot Mobile to support causes you believe in. So you go to Patriot Mobile and then put in uh, Debbie G for your, and if you do that, and again, it's D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G. If you put in Debbie G, you get free activation. They will waive your activation fees. So the place to go, Patriot Mobile, and put in Debbie G and get your cell phone service set up with them. You'll help support this show and you'll get great cell coverage with an organization that agrees with your values. Two more things about helping the show. If you go to my website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, on our homepage, you can, number one, click on newsletter, click on the word subscribe. 
You get subscribed to our newsletter. It's once a week. It comes out at the end of the week. It links to all the past shows that week, interviews and blog posts. Everything we do is right there. Um, it also is a way for you to share the show. If you listen to the show and you like it, and you're thinking, I wish my friend so-and-so knew how to listen, just forward this email. You sign up with your email address. You put your name and your email address. You hit subscribe. You'll get on the newsletter list. And then when you get the newsletter, you can forward it to anyone you want to and say, hey, I listened to this show. You should too. It's a great way to share the show. And you can pass it along. People tell me all the time, I get your newsletter. I send it on. And I so appreciate that. Also at our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, you can also at that website, you can become a member, and that means $50 a year, 50 dollars a year. It is not expensive. It's a great way to help this show, great way to help me support this show. As I say, I've done this almost 10 years, never been paid a penny, and I do our Fall Women for Freedom Summit coming up this year, November 17th and 18th, more on that soon, and all of that is just, you know, as we tell our children, we are spending their inheritance. My husband and I do this show and we do our, our summit and every year, Women for Freedom, because we want, so we want to, we are passionate about defending and preserving America. I love your support. Join America Can We Talk. You can also make a financial donation at americacanwetalk.org. Please consider doing that. Make a financial donation to this show. It's a wonderful way to stand up for the values that you believe in, and I would deeply appreciate your support. I want to thank everyone who recently signed up and everyone who writes these really nice emails. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com, and uh, people send me emails on it. They're so nice, they can make me cry. They're just uh, People just are grateful for this show, so feel free to communicate uh, about the show to me. I'd love to hear from you, but mostly I hope you'll find one or more ways to support this show and help to keep this show rocking and rolling. As, as uh, I'm kind of, par I am paraphrasing Rush Limbaugh, who said he was going to keep talking until everyone agreed with him, and that's exactly what I think. Okay, one last quick topic today. Leftists everywhere um, hate election integrity. The reason I wanted to talk about that is um, there's a, a protest going on um, in Mexico. And it, you know I wouldn't have actually known about this, but in Mexico, um, the president, who is a leftist, um, has recently moved uh, and decided that he is going to dissolve or at least greatly reduce the budget of the organization uh, that looks into election integrity in Mexico. So they're kind of watching for fraud. They're you know keeping track, hoping that fraud doesn't happen in Mexico. And so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So Lopez, the, the president's full name is President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador. People call him Lopez. Um, is is has decided and announced they're going to stop funding and supporting. This national, you know, this or this kind of like election watching organization uh, in Mexico is called the National Electoral Institute, and they put words in different sequence in Spanish, so it's called INE. They call it INE, National Electoral Institute. It's considered one of the most effective bodies of its kind to in executing elections and protecting the integrity of the vote. So. The leftist leader announces, we're done with that. We're dissolving INE, don't want them anymore. They had a protest in Mexico with half a million people. Half a million people. I meant to send the uh, clip of it to Emilio. I ran out of time, I didn't do that. But in Mexico, what they are doing is they're saying, you know, they're in the streets and they're waving signs and saying, you are not going to dissolve this election integrity uh, organization. We need them. 
people, and, and again, understand, this is a leftist. Leftists believe they're entitled to rule. They believe they're entitled to be in charge, whether you want them or not, and they certainly don't want election integrity to be on the minds of the people, and, and so gonna dissolve it. So during the protest, here are some of the chants. Chants, I'm not going to uh, say them in Spanish because I never learned Spanish. My vote will not be touched. You don't touch the INE and out with Lopez. And they actually are calling for, these people are so upset about the leftist government in Mexico dissolving this organization um, that they are calling for protests in other countries around the world outside the Mexican consulate. They're saying, stand up wherever you are, go and have a protest in front of the Mexican consulate. They're asking for that in the United States, France, Portugal, Costa Rica, Spain, and the Czech Republic. Because they can see, you know, when leftists take power, they can see it's very bad, very dangerous, they don't like it. In fact, if you missed my show yesterday, uh, I will quickly tell you about it. We had a woman joining us in studio, Virginia Prodom, and she was a, uh, a lawyer in Ceausescu's Chiche um, um, Romania. So she grew up in Romania, and Ceausescu, the, the horribly uh, violent and, and just pure evil uh, communist dictator came into power while she was growing up. Uh, she was arrested, prosecuted, uh, beaten. I mean, beaten. She, she's this tiny little lawyer. She's not even five feet tall. Uh, beaten. And, and all what they were trying to get after her for was um, because she kept representing the churches and the right of the churches uh, to exist, which under communism, because they are godless and they are atheists and they hate religion, they're trying to shut churches down and she was defending them. But the reason I raise her right now in connection with the story from Mexico is she was talking about what happens when communism comes to power. And she's talking about how, you know, at first when he came to power, there was kind of a scary sense. Her own family, her parents were concerned because they were giving up freedoms and surrendering freedoms and, and realizing, you know, that they, they were scared of this guy. They were also realizing that the, and what the attitude or what he was cultivating in the country was people were afraid to criticize him, this Ceausescu guy in Romania, and they were afraid to talk to their friends because their friends might turn in, turn them in to Ceausescu. He created an atmosphere of, of just fear and suspicion and resentment. I mean, and she's trying to, she, Virginia Prodan, is trying to wave the alarm bell in America that many things you see today's American left doing are exactly the kind of things that occurred in Romania as they watched their precious, formerly free country fall to communism. You know, they had it happen because of Russian invasion, because of you know the spread of the, uh, of the Russian uh, communist empire. Uh, but she, in America, she's talking about it. She, she will openly say, what you're seeing out of the American left in this country today, it is equally scary. It is a growth of a government that does not tolerate dissension, that does not tolerate freedom of speech, that is going to punish your speech. It creates an atmosphere of fear. And I, I raise that say, you know, when I, on this show, I always tell you, I do this show to speak up for America, for America's unique and extraordinary greatness. That greatness did not come out of thin air. It came out of the founding ideas of America, which include this concept of individual freedom and fair elections and 
equal justice under the law, all these noble principles that we in America understand our country was founded on, that, that gave rise to the existence of America. That's what America is. And you have voices like Virginia Podon, another one coming on our show soon, Shi Van Fleet, uh, a woman of Chinese origin who lives in America, and she lived in China during Mao Zedong's Cultural Revolution. She's giving waving the warning bell. I'm just saying, and wrapping up this little last point, people are very rightfully alarmed in this country, as they are in, uh, in Mexico, as they see the rise of this leftist regime in Mexico, as they are in Brazil, as they see the rise of Lula and the end of freedom there. Communism and leftism and loss of freedom are on the rise in this world, and it is happening right here in America. It is why everyone who, is, who loves this country, who loves freedom, must decide that they are in the fight to save this country. They're in the fight to preserve America, unique and extraordinary and the great. Radio listeners, you're about to go off at the end of your time. Everybody else, hang on. So thank you for listening. Go to americacanwetalk.org to see our show uh, and watch everything. And everybody else, stay tuned for Why It Matters to You. And what I do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today with the um, story of Ray's doubling down denials. FBI Director Christopher Ray interview with Fox News Brett Baer, extraordinarily revealing. Looking Baer right in the eye, Christopher Ray denied any improper FBI investigations or wrongdoing. But what about Hunter's laptop? The Antifa stand down, January 6th entrapment, Dr. Simone Gold. Breaking down doors, denied Twitter files as evidence of the FBI controlling social media about COVID, about Biden corruption, and other things. No lying is more dark, dangerous, even pathological than face-to-face -face smug denial of truth, exemplifies wildly amoral, unaccountable elitism, the belief that power has replaced virtue. America will never be restored until her culture refuses to tolerate leaders who brazenly lie. A reckoning is needed now. And on what is Trump up to? Trump's golden arrow economic plan exemplifies leadership. It is bold, it's bold, it sets a standard for clarity. 100% consistent with the America First MAGA philosophy, he stands by what he believes. This is a marker of authenticity that Americans yearn for. All other GOP candidates should be asked their reaction because this goes to the heart of the issue of globalism versus Americanism. That is a central issue. Plus, America and freedom versus China and tyranny. GOP ruling class forever mistakes Trump's appeal as about personality. It's not. It's about MAGA. A spirit of love for what America is supposed to be, that the vast majority of Americans feel in their gut. GOP ruling class marketing will never dissolve this gut feeling. Uh, retail politics in East Palestine, Ohio. Trump versus Biden in East Palestine, a stark separating contrast. The American people want a president who cares. Trump acted quickly, delivered water, connected with locals at a McDonald's, just showing up is caring, but he did far more than just show up. He relates to the people. Trump's actions have led to a clear surge in national popularity. Biden still hasn't shown up. Buttigieg's appearance was late and cringeworthy, and he managed to blame Trump. 
falsely accused Trump of being responsible. Reminder, effective election rigging, per Dr. Frank, depends on delivering results that are plausible. East Palestine episode creates a massive gap in popular perception. Another Biden win in 2024 may become impossible if the popularity gap continues to widen. And on leftists everywhere hate election integrity. Mexico's President Lopez Obrador acts to gut election integrity agency. Immediate response, crowd estimated half a million protests this action in Mexico City. People in democracies throughout the world are sensing deliberate theft of their voices. Restoring honest elections is possible, but is forever up against the will to hold power. I'm sorry, let me read that again. Restoring honest elections is possible, but is forever up against the will to hold power that those in power have. Individual freedom and self-government is an American founding ideal. It has spread throughout the world and will not be denied. The fight for one man, one vote will be long, but will be won. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Tomorrow, Thursday, our very special guest joining us is Brad Fayer, an amazing expert on China. You'll learn more than you can imagine. So tune in tomorrow at 3 p.m. for Brad Thayer. And everyone, I want to thank you for listening to America Can We Talk. I do this show, America Can We Talk, every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-